Uh, I, t- I titled tonight's message, uh, Spiritual Exercise. Um, so as I was driving this week, I had the Bible reading it to me. So like I was, And the scripture just stuck out to me. Um, and it, it was in 1 Timothy. So if you turn to 1 Timothy 4, uh, we're going to start with verse 8. <clears throat> And it says, verse 8 says, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important, for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. And you probably know someone who is obsessed with uh, working out, and they probably spend a lot of time on physical exercise. And scripture tells us that while physical exercise is good, spiritual exercise is much more important because it promises benefits in this life and the next. So I guess my challenge to you tonight would be what are you doing as spiritual exercise? What are you doing to push yourself spiritually? And this as I was putting this message together and I was sitting over there like sweating I'm like I don't even know what to bring up because there are so many things that God can call us to do that are physical exercise and sometimes God just pushes us into the fire and that in itself is exercise but sometimes we get really 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 comfortable we get comfortable in our jobs we get comfortable in our church we get comfortable with our group of friends we just get comfortable and then we get comfortable in our relationship with God and we get comfortable spiritually and so I charge you tonight to look at yourself and say what am I doing spiritually as exercise what am I doing that will build up my relationship with God and the King James Version says godliness it doesn't say spiritual exercise it says godliness so Having godliness, you know, so if you're training in godliness, that means that you're trying to live by this word. And you're trying to, to live by the words uh, in the Bible. And, and that in itself is training, right? Taking the words and applying them to your life. That's probably enough training for all of us because that would consume our lives. Um, and even if we did that, found a scripture a day and applied it to our lives. But I, I think of a time for me when we were in Tennessee, and, and some of you may not believe this, um, but when we were in Tennessee, there was one day, uh, the, the group of us, there, I don't know, eight, ten of us who went down to Tennessee for that mission trip last summer, there was one day where they made us we, we made sandwiches, and then they took us to like a manor-type area, you know, government housing, and, and they said, you know, just go and use the sandwich as a conversation piece and talk to people and pray for them and just witness to people. And I was extremely uncomfortable. And if you know me, that might surprise you because I, I don't really know very many strangers. And so, but it's just that it was an uncomfortable place for me to be in. 
But I had kind of been putting in, you know, I had been put in a leadership position and I knew that day that I had to, that I had to step out of my comfort, comfort zone and I had to be the one to lead our team and to at least start. If I would start, then, then maybe some other people would take over and they did and, and we had a wonderful three, three hours of, of ministry that day. But it was uncomfortable for me. And oftentimes I found that, that in our lives, we like to stay comfortable. We don't want to put ourselves in those uncomfortable positions. But I want to charge you to look for those uncomfortable positions. You know, it was very simple. We made a, a bologna sandwich and bagged them up and then just found people. And the sandwich, hey, do you want a sandwich? And then we just shared the love of Christ. And we found some amazing stories that day. And we're able to pray with people. And, and we were touched and they were touched. And that's spiritual exercise. That was getting out of a, a position that was comfortable for me. But then, the, you know, after I said something to the first person, guess what? The next person I found, I'm like, I've done this before. I can do this. I got it. And so you're building your spiritual, uh, your, your, your spirit, man, every time you step out of that comfort zone. And it's been happening to me in my job, and I, it's probably why God sent this to me. One thing I hate more than anything in the world is to talk to people on the phone, especially, like, about uncomfortable things. Like, if the cable bill comes and they say, hey, you're specials up you now owe this much i'll say carrie can you take care of this because i don't want to call those people and it's been like that for years and carrie is amazing with it and she convinces people to do above and beyond what i would i would i would say okay we'll just pay it but because of my new job i've been forced in these positions to call parents with very very uncomfortable conversations and what i found is the first time I had to, which there was like some shifting going on with teachers, so I had to call the teachers and tell them, hey, you're being bumped. This is day three, by the way, of my new job. The superintendent goes, well, you're going to call those teachers. I've never met them. And I had to call these teachers and tell them, hey, someone else took your job, so this is what's available, or you could bump these people. And so, very, very uncomfortable. The first thing I did was pray. I said, God, I can't do this. this. That's too hard. That is not me. You have to speak through me because this is bad news that I have to deliver to people. But as I've gotten more and more comfortable just dialing phone numbers, now it's, you know, we're in the school year, so it's not teachers, now I'm dealing with parents. I'm getting more and more comfortable and I'm finding that less and less I'm taking that time to go, God, I need your help on this one because it's becoming comfortable. And so the challenge for us as a church is to find those uncomfortable positions because when we're in those uncomfortable positions is when we rely on God. Because when I made that, that you know, day three, I thought I was stepping into a job to get my toes wet and the superintendent pushed me in the water. I was extremely uncomfortable and I was going, God, I need your help. And as now I've been there for a while, I'm getting more and more comfortable and I'm relying less and less on God and more and more on myself. And I don't want that. So as a church and as myself, I'm going, Chase, you have to, you have to remain uncomfortable. Because when you get comfortable is when you rely on yourself. And I don't want to rely on myself because I know what I can do and I know what I'm made of. 
continuing on, um, verse 9. This is true and everyone should accept it. We work hard and suffer much in order that people will believe in the truth. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of those who believe. You know, it says we suffer much. And so I look at my life sometimes and I go, I don't, I don't suffer that much. And the reason why the apostles were suffering much is because they were constantly in uncomfortable situations, talking to um, people about uncomfortable things. They were confronted by um, the, the, the leaders of the time. And they were constantly suffering and being beaten and, and thrown into prison and in uncomfortable situations. And in America, it's really easy for us to be comfortable. You know, we, we've got jobs, we've got a house, we've got our family, we've got our group of friends, we've got our particular places we sit in church. It's easy for us to get comfortable. <clears throat> and that's a scary place to be. But the comforter comforts us in uncomfortable situations. So our challenge is to find those uncomfortable situations. And if you remember years ago, it was probably seven or eight years ago, it might have been nine years ago when pastor would talk about risk and he would preach about, uh, about taking risks and how we had to be risk takers. We need to be risk takers, church. We have to take risks because when we don't take those risks is when we rely on ourselves. And that's a dangerous place to be. Now, some of you, and, and you know, if you've caught on the preaching lately, has been a lot about being in the fire and, and, and the spiritual tests that you're put in. Some of you are already being challenged and you're uncomfortable. And in the valley, and the valley is a dark place to be, but you know that, that God is there with you and you're relying on God. But the other balance of it is sometimes we get comfortable and we're not in a valley. And that's a scary place to be. John 14, 26. Turn there. I have a New Living Translation, so I'm going to read from the screen. Um, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, for, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit is our Comforter. And I use the King James Version because New Living says Counselor. And, and I think Counselor is great. But sometimes I, I, I think we forget the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's there to comfort us in times that are very, very uncomfortable. In times that we can't do it in our own strength. The Holy Spirit is there to hold up our arms. To comfort us. To wrap the loving arms of God around us. And, and to, to protect us and keep us safe. And that, that word comforter I think is so key in understanding the Holy Spirit. So I was thinking about us as Americans, and so if you will, turn to um, Matthew 14. I couldn't help but think of Peter. And so often, when we read about Peter walking on water, we talk about how 
he lost his faith and you know he 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 didn't have enough faith to continue walking on the water and and but how awesome is it that Peter actually got out of the boat right I mean that's the first step he actually got out of a very comfortable situation where they were safe at the time there was a storm but that was the safest place where they were he got out of the boat right he got out of the safety of the boat and climbed onto the water and so you might be sitting there and God might be calling you to step out of your comfort zone to step out of the boat to to get out of the comfort of your little safety net and get into an uncomfortable situation I don't know what that might be because it's going to look different for everyone but God is calling us to do some spiritual exercise, to work out spiritually. And so we're going to start with verse 22. It says, immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake, and he sent the people home. Afterwards, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed terror, thinking it was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, It's all right. I am here. Do not be afraid. And then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. All right, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. So he climbs over the side of the boat and steps onto the water. He leaves the comfort of the boat. Yeah, there were waves. Yeah, there were high winds. But where's the safest place to be on the water? In a boat. And Peter steps out. He gets off the boat, right? He steps on on the water believing in Christ. And, you know, I... I I laughed this morning when Tom started praying because that's what he was talking about was stepping out in faith. And I leaned over and nudged Carrie. I said, hey, that's what I'm preaching about tonight. And then Tom tonight when I came in was like, yeah, we, we're going to try a couple new songs, but, you know, hey, we got to take some risks and step out in faith sometimes. And I thought, how awesome is that? Thank you, God. And so that's just a little bit, but how awesome was worship tonight, right? And, and so... It could be something as small as that. That, hey, we should try something new even though we've never done it before and see what God does. And that's small, but that builds your faith. That builds your spiritual uh, walk with God. It builds your, your spirit. <clears throat> so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And instantly Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You do not have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. And the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Well, what's awesome about this is Peter didn't succeed. Right? He stepped out in faith, believing in God, and he didn't succeed. He failed. He began to sink. But what happened? God rescued him. God was there to pick him up. 
And that's what we always have to fall back on. That even when we step out in faith, we might fail. We, we might mess up. But even when we mess up, God is there to reach out his hand to pick us up from the waves. Our job is to get out of the boat, believing that, hey, we might walk on water, but even if we can't walk on water, God's going to be there to pick us up out of the water. And so as a church, we have to start taking those risks and believing in God and believing that God will be there to supply our every need, whatever the situation might be. You know, a couple years ago, and I know I've talked about this before, but when Carrie was facing some ethical situations at her job, and she came to me and said, God, I, I can't do it anymore. Like, wh- what should I do? And I said, quit. Just quit. And she's like, what, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And guess what? Here I am. And we had a small child at that time and then had another child through that process. They're fine. They're healthy. God is faithful. And we can stand back and laugh at it now. But it was a dark valley then, but we had to step out in faith. And you know what? God was even more faithful to where Carrie is now than if she would have stayed there, right? She's so much better off where she is, and God is continuing to provide and be faithful because we said, hey, we'll step out in faith believing in you. And we have to, church, we have to step out in faith. And you know, sometimes I think we get really comfortable in our walks with God. We get really comfortable in our relationships with God. Um, and if you would, turn to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to start with uh, verse 57. I know pastors said it time and time again that serving God's not easy. And, and a lot of times people will bail on church, they'll bail on God because they have this false precept that it's going to be easy. If I, follow, if I follow God, it's going to be easy. And it's not. And Jesus never said that it was. When people would say that they wanted to follow him, he was extremely truthful with them. And so example in chapter 9 verse 57 as they were walking along someone said to Jesus I will follow you no matter where you go but Jesus replied foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests but I the son of man have no home of my own and not even a place to lay my head and what he's doing what Jesus was doing to this person was he was showing them the cost of following him that hey if you if you want to follow me that's fine but understand that Birds have nests to go home to. Foxes have dens to go lay in. But I don't have a place to lay my head. I'm going to rely on God the Father to provide everything for me. A place to sleep in, food to eat. And that's what he's telling the person. Hey, you have to rely on God. If you want to follow me, you have to understand some things. That there's a cost to following Jesus. And sometimes I think we lose that. We lose sight that it's not easy and we want to we want to be friends with people and 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 we want to make concessions as 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 christians and say well 
you know what, maybe we should change what we believe just to make this person happy. And that's not, that's not what we're called to do as Christians. And Jesus warns people who want to follow him that following him is not an easy thing to do. And that's why we have to have spiritual exercise, right? If, if it was easy, we wouldn't have to be spiritually strong. But it's hard, therefore we need to be spiritually strong. We have to work out our spirit man so that we can face these tough times. <clears throat> he said to another person, come be my disciple. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. And Jesus replied, let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus isn't being mean here. He's just telling him that there's a cost. There's an actual cost of following him. And the cost is, you can't give a care about this world. We can't store up our treasures. We can't invest in this world. We have to worry about the kingdom of God and his kingdom and advancing his kingdom. And that's a very uncomfortable place as Christians to be because we want to love our families. We want to um, comfort those. But our first calling is to serve Christ. And if we're disciples of Christ, we have to be strong. We have to be able to be in these situations that are extremely uncomfortable for us. 61. Another said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying is the price of following him. You can't go and say, hey, bye mom, bye dad, bye. I love you guys, I'll see you later, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's saying, hey, listen, we don't have time for that. It is pressing that you go and preach the word and you can't follow me and then look back at what you have left. And so what he's doing is he's telling these people that, hey, following Jesus isn't easy. It's not for the weak. It's not for, for, you know, anyone just to join. And that's where we are as America, because lots of people want to call themselves Christians. But not very many people want to live by this. They don't want um, to follow the godliness of the Bible. They don't want to work out spiritually. And that's why we have to work out spiritually, because if we don't work out spiritually, we're not going to be strong enough and we're going to put our hands to the plow and we're going to look back because we're going to be spiritually weak. That's why our, our job is to exercise our spirit. We have to exercise our spirit. And we have to look for those opportunities to step out in faith and say, God, I don't know why, but I'm believing in you. I don't know why, but I know that you can, you can, uh, you can pull me through this. You'll be faithful. And even if I drown, you'll pull me out of the water. Even if I start to sink, your hand will be there. Our job isn't to walk on water. Our job is to get out of the boat. <clears throat> if you turn to Acts chapter 2. The first church had it. They got it. They understood it. Because everything they did, they relied on the Holy Spirit. 
everything. When they ministered, they relied on the Holy Spirit. For their daily uh, food, they, they relied on the Holy Spirit. Where they, where they were going to uh, lay their head, they relied on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start with verse 43. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. They sold their possessions and shared the proceeds with, with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. See, when they're performing miracles and they're meeting together and they're selling their possessions to provide for those in need, what they're doing is they're relying on God to provide. They're relying on God to be their provider. See, our mentality in America is we're the providers right? I go to work. I, when I'm at work, I work really hard, and I get a paycheck, right? It's I, I, I. I'm the provider. But God should be our provider. When we look at the first church, they relied on God to provide their every need. And it's really easy for us as Americans, who most households have two incomes coming in, to say, I don't need anything. I'm providing for myself. And that's a dangerous place to be because when we provide for ourselves and, and we're so consumed with us providing, we don't need God, right? We don't need to rely on God. And that's a very dangerous place to be. And that's something that Carrie and I constantly struggle with because I'm going, yeah, I want to pay off debt. I got a new job. I want to pay off some student loans. And then I, I go back to, but there are people who need things, right? And so we con we're constantly battling this, like, how do we be responsible with what God has given us? Not what I have made of myself, but what God has given us. And we believe that we were faithful a little, and because of that, God is, is blessing us as, as we're getting older. But we have to continue to be faithful. And being faithful doesn't mean doing what we want it's doing what God wants and we have to rely on God to direct our steps as we go through life and it, it, it's hard as Americans because most everyone in this room is probably in the top five percent of the wealthiest people in the world and so it's hard for us and what's the Bible say about rich people it says it's harder for a camel to go through an eye of a needle and the disciple said Lord that's impossible and he said right but through God all things are possible and so as Americans, we can't rely on us. God has blessed us and he's blessed us for a reason. We have to rely on him and what he has blessed us with. And if you go back to Timothy, and, and I fought this scripture, so I, I'm just going to believe that God has it in here for a reason. I, I kept saying, oh, I don't know God, I don't think that fits. And I couldn't take it out. So... <clears throat> First Timothy 6, verse 6. Yet true religion with contentment is great wealth. You want, you want great wealth? It's true religion with contentment. After all, 
we, bring, uh, we didn't bring anything into, uh, with us when we came into the world, and we certainly cannot carry anything but with us when we die. We can't take anything with us when we leave, right? We can't take it with us when we go. But where do we spend the majority of our effort, our time, and our life on? Worldly possessions, homes, cars, right? Things. We spend the majority of our time and our effort on things that we cannot take with us when we go. And that scares me. And again, this is back to the internal struggle that Carrie and I have. Our house is for sale. We don't know what we're going to do if our house would sell today. We don't know where we'd go. Because I struggle with upgrading. I do. I struggle with building a house that's bigger than the one that we have. And so it's a, it's a constant battle because I'm going... But we're faithful with what God has given us, but I can't, I, it's a battle. And then I read things like this, and I go, I can't take it with me when I go, so why? What's the purpose? Why focus so much time and attention on the things that have no heavenly value? That's exercising flesh, right? That's exercising the flesh, and the look at what my hands have built. And it's, it's an internal struggle, church. I'm, I'm being transparent with you tonight. It's, it's such a struggle in our house. And we, like, it, it turns over day by day by day. And, and we're just like, I, thank you for not letting us sell our house, God, because I don't know what we would do. Um, but we have to, church, focus on heavenly things, on eternal things. We have to exercise spiritually. And when I look at that, our housing situation, our, our first plans, I don't think we're exercising spiritually. I think they were exercising our, our flesh. After all, we didn't bring anything with us and we when we came into the world and we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. First of all, I hope that, that we can focus on that scripture. That was a lot of bad things. People who long to be rich fall into temptation, are trapped by foolish and harmful desires, and plunge into ruin and destruction. Again, I, I tried to take this out, but for some reason God kept putting it back in. Those are all terrible things, and I don't want anything to do with them. Um, and, and back to eight, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. It's so hard for us as humans to be content. And, and I'll give you a story. About a year ago, I bought a truck. I got a good deal on it. I liked it. It's really nice. And I told Carrie, I said, man, that truck that's at the church is really nice. I like that. I can't be content with the truck that I have. Here's the kicker. Mine's two years newer. 
<laughs> and I thought, here I am going, that's a really nice truck. I'd like to have that. But that, isn't that a terrible mentality for us to have as, as Christians that it's like we, can't, we, we constantly want to feed our flesh. We constantly, we can't, we can't be satisfied. We can't be fulfilled with earthly things. And that's the point. We cannot be filled with earthly things. The only thing that can fill our lives and, and give us true satisfaction is building our spirit and doing spiritual exercise. That's the only thing that can satisfy. <clears throat> Verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I don't want that. I don't want to wander from the faith. I don't want to pierce myself with many sorrows. Many sorrows. That means a lot. And look at people who have sought and, and lived their life just for money. They're never satisfied. They're always, always filled with many sorrows, right? Those are the people making the news. So ultimately, this is, this is what I want to end with. I guess what God wants to end with. Spiritual exercise is us relying on the Holy Spirit. That's it. It can come in all types of forms. It can be believing that God will provide your next meal to reading the scripture and applying it to your life. But spiritual exercise is relying on the Holy Spirit. And that's a hard thing to do because as Paul said, right, it's that battle between the flesh and the spirit. But we have to, as Christians, we have to rely on the spirit. And so I'm gonna end with this. Romans 8, verse five. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So think about your life. What do you think about? Do you think about things that please the Spirit? If so, you're being led and controlled by the Spirit. And we have to allow the Spirit to control our life. If the Spirit's controlling our life, we're going to think about things that please the Spirit. I'll read that one again. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about, think, uh, about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. We have to give our lives over to, to the Holy Spirit to control. We, our lives are not our own. We can't be in control. It's not us. It's not I. It's not me. We have to give our lives over as a vessel, an empty vessel for the Holy Spirit to use as the Holy Spirit sees fit. <clears throat> Verse six, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. And I read this on a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. That's what I want. I want life and peace. I want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. The first step in doing that is getting out of the boat. 
right? It's stepping over the edge of the boat and into the water because at that point, you're out of control. When you're on the boat, you're in control. You're in your safe, your safe zone, your comfort zone. But when you step out of the boat and into the water, at that point, you have given the spirit control. And that's why we have to, as a church, take risks, get out of the boat, exercise our spirits. Because at that point, that's when the spirit takes over, the Holy Spirit takes over and is in control of our lives. The altars are open.